Hi everyone and welcome back to Jela Speaks. I hope you are keeping well and keeping safe. Today is indeed the day the Lord has made and we are rejoicing and glad in it. Today we're going to speak about Saul's life. Saul takes his life. And I've cried to this message. Alas, their plans are in vain. Holy Spirit, help me to deliver this message as you put in my heart. All of you, less of me. Open the hearts and hearts and minds of those that are listening today to hear directly from you. Thank you for using me as a person. I'm honored and grateful too. In Jesus' name, Amen. So I read from 1 Samuel 31, 1 to 7. Um, now the Philistine, I read the NIV version. Now the Philistine fought against Israel. The Israelites fled before them, and many fell dead at Mount Gilboa. The Philistines were in hot pursuit of Saul and his sons, and they killed his son Joshua, Abinabab, and Marcoshua. The fighting grew fierce around Saul, and when the archers overtook him, they wounded him critically. Saul said to his armor bearer, Roll your sword and run me through, or these uncircumcised fellows will come and rescue and run me through and abuse me. But his armor bearer was terrified and would not do it. So Saul took his own sword and fell it. When the armor bearer saw that Saul was dead, he too fell on his on his sword and died with him. So Saul and his three sons and these armor bearers and all the men died together on the same day. When the Israelites along the valley and those along the Jordan saw that the Israelite army had fled, and that Saul had and his son had died, they abandoned their towns and fled. And the Philistines came and occupied them. Now this is the part two where seasons changed for David, where everything changed, where Saul, you know, in his in his pride and all that, you know, um, had gone to battle with the Philistines and he had seriously wounded him, as we see here. And we all know that in the previous two chapters, I think it was chapter 28, where um, Saul had told, had, had gone to a medium, and the medium had told him that um, had called up Samuel. And Samuel had told him that you will die in this battle with your three sons and you will join me and all that. And so this is a time whereby the same battle, you know, where David had was going to fight, but, but um, the Philistine leaders um, sent him home. And this is the same verse that Saul lost his life. You know, when I read this, when I read this passage again, I read it before, but just just hit me that after all, after all the scheming, after all the pain, after all the battle with David, we're bringing three thousand able-bodied men to go and come and fight and kill David instead of, of, of protecting the Israelites. After all the the spirit being shown at David. After all, he, or all the the sending him to the bush. After they were living in the bush for several several months, probably even years as well, till Saul died. After all, the enemy planned. God's word was still coming to pass. David went through a very tough season, very tough season where he, he was going through a learning process. You know, he was being refined as pure gold. He was he went through hell, but that hell was refining him. 
And Saul was one of the big factors in that refinement that was used. Remember everything that he did to hold that throne so tightly to himself, to really, to really grab it. He died. And I find it very interesting what he told the armor bearer. He said, run your sword. So he was rather, he rather that the armor bearer kills him. And a Philistine kills him because of what? Pride. And the Amabra says no. When he kills himself, just because he did not want the Philistine to kill him. So in a way, he was trying to see if he can determine the outcome of the war by killing himself. But actually, he had no possibility of doing that. And we will read in, the, in another chapter in, um, in Second Samuel where and Amalekai was actually the one that killed Saul. When he came to came to David and told him that you know Saul's almost dying, and then he killed Saul. So in the end, it was over, and Israel had killed him. He, he killed was killed by an enemy, and so he was defeated. And in a lot of time, I feel like in Saul's came, he felt that he was so proud enough that he could determine his fate in even in death. In, in life, because he was a king, he was so proud that, you know, he felt like, oh, I cannot, cannot be killed by, you know, a, a, an enemy, I cannot lose. And he was so proud for that. But at that point, he determined these things. And that thought can either be sobering, frightening, frightening, or comforting to hear because in the end, it's God that owns our lives. No matter how someone to fight a battle and hold his life, whatever, did not have that strength to. He's not God. And so our lives are still in God's hands automatically. And obviously, to some people, it may be frightening because they don't own their lives. To, 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 to people like me, I'm happy because I know God, my life is in God's hand. I'm happy that I know He's the one that owns me. It just goes to show that pride goes before a fall. It does. When you're so proud enough to, to, to not want to know someone specifically to kill kill him, I was trying to even determine his fate in death. Well, show that Saul had not learned any lessons from all the processes that he went through with David. He had not learned. He he, he, he was still, you know, submit, submitted to only himself. He was still focused on only his own needs. It was not about God. It was only about him. The Bible says... Before God formed us, he knew us. He knew us. And so he knows the number of our days. He knows everything. Our lives are in his hands. We need to humble ourselves before him. In whatever way or form that means to you or me. Like to Saul. Because in the end, God owns our lives. God holds our lives. And he can move and do as he literally he's God. He's the one that created us, so he knows exactly who we are. And who better to live in a life than God? It's him. Because he, he's seen it before. He went to the end and he's back here watching us and walking us through the process. And so today, if if that thought of God owning your life is frightening or scary to hear, it's time to really ask yourself. Are you the are you are you the the owner of your life? 
Do you think that God doesn't own your life? Is it out of pride? It's humbling to hear. Or is, is it out of, of fear to not be able to trust God with your life? What exactly is it? Your soul was pride, but then deep down it was literally fear. Fear of, of you know, the kingship being and leaving his family and not having gone through the tough process to read himself as king. And he was where he was today, that day. And so he's, he spent his whole kingship fighting what's it called, David, or trying to kill David in many ways. But he didn't need to. He was something to God. But it was hard for him to and, and see where he, he ended up. So I ask you today, who owns your life? Is it God? God owns my life. Are you ready to trust God with your life? Are you ready to hand over and trust God with the keys of your life? I say, God, lead me. For me, that's the best decision to me because you, you, are, you are being led by someone that has gone through that way before. So you know exactly what to do, where to go to, how to go to, how to get there. He needs the direction to take. You don't know. We only know what we see. Our view is like this. God's view is everywhere and across time. Who owns your life? I ask again. I praise the Lord that owns your life. And if you know today, you're asking yourself that question who owns your life? And you're not sure, I would invite you to either give your life to Christ or rededicate your life to Christ so that God can be the owner and the champion and leader of your life. And not just even doing that, but submitting yourself to God is different. You know, we say we give our to Christ and then we did our own things. But we submit ourselves to God. We are doing what he wants us to do. That's it. Literally, we are listening and obeying his instructions that is submission to god and so i want to pray with you today and say heavenly father is there anyone watching me today that is giving their life to you for the first time or redefining their life to you for i ask god when i say and i repeat and i hope you repeat with me that you are and Savior. When we confess you as our Lord and personal Savior in our lives, and we love you and we want to submit to you, Lord, lead us in the way and manner which you have proposed for our lives. Take absolute control. We submit to you. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray, amen. If you said that prayer, I would encourage you to look for a Bible-believing church. You can send me a message as well on Instagram or don't look like Instagram. I will, I will see it. And I will happily and joyfully help you in whatever way from which I can help you. So thank you for listening to me today. And remember to answer that question you didn't ask before. Who is the leader and the owner of your life? Thank you. I love you. Bye.